Um, so welcome to our first episode. I'd like to introduce our first guest of the series. Um, we've gone straight to the top. I'm going to be chatting to our very own Chief Executive Officer of British Eventing. So welcome to the show, Helen West. Thank you very much, Cast. Absolutely delighted to be here. Well, first of all, I'm just for our listeners, I'm going to tell them a little bit about you, run through your CV, because I think it's very impressive, um, because you have brought with you to the role of CEO, a huge background of lots of different facets, really. Um, from a rider and owner point of view, you've competed up to four star. Um, that's way beyond me. <laughs> and being be a young rider gold medalist, you've represented Great Britain on multiple occasions. And you've moved into event management, where you've managed Bixton Arena for many years, developing a very successful horse trials, as well as that, the B93 day event. Um, as a grassroots rider, I love, <laughs> I love um, three-day eventing. Um, and then running a very successful, the very successful Bixton horse trials. And even with that, you managed to organise a replacement fixture for Bramham Four Star at like super short notice. I don't know how you managed that, having you know helped and volunteered at events and done lots of different roles. I, I don't know how you managed it. So right. not only Kaz, that, Kaz, I had a, I had a very very good team. <laughs> <laughs> well, I I don't think one person could do it on their own. To be fair, so it's, I'm sure. I've definitely heard you talk about your team before. Um, and now, not on that, on top of that, you're also an FEI cross-country course designer. So how on earth do you find time in your life to fit all of these things in? <laughs> but that's a very impressive CV. And I imagine now that the role of CEO is super busy. So um, just to start off with, um, what is a typical day or week like for you? And do you still have time to ride and compete? <laughs> that is a very good question. Um, so, not as much as I would like is the short answer to that. Um, I must admit, it's obviously the worst time of year at the moment. And um, I don't have a school or any facilities at home where I live. So it's not without its challenges. Um, I do still have one horse um, who I've jumped actually to quite a high level. Um, he's great fun. I can pick him up and drop him. Um, he did events back in the day with me, um, but he's a very good jumper. And, and we we go out and have, we play the odd weekend and have, have fun, which is great. Um, but I don't ride nearly as much as I, um, obviously as I used to, and as I would ideally like to. Um, but it is very, very important in keeping me sane I have to yes. say and then kind of keeping me on the straight and narrow for my head I always get off and think oh I need to make the effort I need to do this because it does um does does help me enormously um so yeah the role is obviously very full-on um it's full-time and the rest um I think it's safe to say it's kind of 24 7 seven days a week in some some respects especially once we get into the season and obviously there's events running pretty much all the way through from March to October um and it's just always being there on the end of the phone um you know through weekends when events are running evenings um it's yeah it's quite all consuming um too too many emails um for my liking is the honest truth um you know it's more well I'm terrible and I've got to learn to step away from it because I find myself scrolling through them in the evening because I sort of don't want to get behind and then look at my inbox in the morning and have you know 200 emails in there and you have that sinking feeling um so I've actually yeah I'm learning to be a lot more disciplined and to try and just keep looking up and out rather than getting bogged down in the minute detail and the sort of day-to-day 
of everything. Yeah, I think that's um, I think that's really good, uh, important because actually, um, my role, which is not eventing, I, I'm a lecturer at university, but. I can't, I find the admin side of my job really time consuming and really, so you do get bogged down. And I think, actually, I think whatever role you do in life, there's some part of your job that you really don't like. <laughs> and so um, you kind of have to just kind of accept that and do it. But emails is the worst thing. And I think more so since COVID, since we've all like become a lot more technological minded that our inbox is super full and I I can absolutely sympathize like I'll be um, sitting at an event and I'll be reading my emails just to check in case there's one come through and just can quickly in my head I think oh I can quickly reply to that but actually it just kind of takes that moment in your brain and it takes up a little bit of time and you end up just spending all your time thinking about emails and stuff but um, absolutely absolutely and I'm probably too conscientious in terms of you know I really really want to be able to respond to everybody um you know and a lot of people email in with their thoughts and you know suggestions and I really really want to be able to go back to everyone sometimes I just simply can't and we are um pretty tight on resource um at British Eventing so in terms of the number of people we are very limited um so some sometimes I apologize in advance if, if you don't hear back please don't think that I haven't read it and I'm being rude it just sometimes we just haven't got the capacity to get there I think that's um yeah I, I um I read I listened to the previous podcast that you've been in, interviewed before and you were you were very passionate in your role as CEO is about being this face that you you want people to know who you are and you want people to be connected to British eventing in a in a sort of a way where we're all a family and a big community and I I feel like that you probably think that with your emails as well which is um yeah I think and I I um I haven't actually met you in person yet um but I know that part of your role last year you attended many events like I guess you spend every weekend visiting events all around the country. I get out as much, I get out and about as much as I possibly can. And, you know, certainly when I took the role on, um, I made a really concerted effort to sort of come up north more. Um, I've been up at, up in Scotland a few times now, which is just, um, I love it. Absolutely love it. I I suppose I've always been southern based just by nature of, you know, being kind of born and bred in Devon. And when I was yeah. competing, obviously competing from, you know, a peripheral area, um, but obviously more down south. Um, back in the day, I remember coming up, I drove up um, and competed at Bergie a couple of times. I never actually competed oh, at Blair, um, which is a real, I, yeah, I, I still actually have that little bit of kind of burning desire in my belly to actually make a comeback and to be able to compete at Blair because it, I went up in 2021 and I was just bowled over by just how stunning it is. Um, yeah, and I was fortunate enough last year to design at Floors Castle. Oh. And, oh my God, what a treat. It was a designer's dream. I mean, it's just, yeah, some of those Scottish venues are are absolutely what sport's about. For me, yes. it just encapsulates it. And, yeah. Um, yeah, it really, really captured my imagination. And actually, I think, um, so Blair is like my favourite three-day venue. Um, I just, oh, it's just blows your mind being at Blair and, and the surroundings. And one thing actually that you have introduced or like FEI have introduced is the one star BE level. 
And so it's been amazing because um, Blair not only run the Scottish Championships, but they've also introduced the One Star level and it ran um, last year. And then this year, the One Star has been so popular that actually now it has expanded. And I'm super excited that there is now One Star at Warwick Hall for Cumbria events this year. I actually can't wait. And I think it's a really nice stepping stone for riders to actually come along, have a go at the One Star and actually have maybe Blair in their sights because the One Star at Blair is run a little bit more like a three-day event. It is, yeah, in terms of the timetabling, it's a little bit more long format. And I I, I would agree, I'm super excited that, um, you know, that Cumbrian Horse Trials have got the opportunity to run that One Star. Um, And I'm very, very much looking forward to that. Yeah, I think that will be a real treat for the members in, you know, up north um, and Scotland. Um, and like you say, I think it will give a really good setup to that one star at Blair, which was, I mean, that had become hugely, hugely popular. Um, you know, you look at the entry levels there and you can, it's very plain to see the appetite is there at that level. Yeah. Um, it was interesting when they first launched the one star, because uh, FEI um, talked about how they were launching the one star for the developing nations and that there was a little bit of rumor that one star wouldn't end up in the UK. And I think actually for the future and the future business for horse trial organisers, it it never really, to me, I always thought, I don't really understand why this isn't coming to the UK. So the fact that it has is is No, no, you're you're absolutely right. So, I mean, certainly initially at the time, um, you know, it wasn't the policy to roll out the one star in the UK. Um, I think, you know, sort of since then, obviously that... You know, B have looked at it and said, well, hang on a minute, you know, why on earth aren't we? Um, and in terms of, you know, I look at the membership and 74% of our membership have never competed above 100. Um, you know, that for me, that one star is achievable for them. They're never going to go in at 110. They're never going to go two star. But actually, you know, for like your kind of Connemara types and the types that, you know, we see at, to be fair, at Babington at the Grassroots Championships, one star is achievable. They've got the scope. They haven't got to go that extra bit. Um, and I think it's, yeah, I think it's hugely popular. And it's interesting. I've just returned from an FEI eventing seminar in Jardy. Um, and just looking at the statistics worldwide, um, that one star class has become very, very popular, you know, across all the national federations. So I'm very pleased that that we have um, embraced that now. Yeah, that's cool. Oh, God. And I agree. I think um, as a, you know, going to events and watching, because I've been a volunteer at events and done lots of different roles uh, because I like to try them all. So I've watched a lot of horses and sometimes you see um, horses that step up to novice perhaps don't quite struggle a little bit with distances and like the decent, you know, got to make a decent effort to jump a fence. Then they've got to put two decent, decent strides in and find the distance to jump out. And then you get them chipping a smaller stride in. And I think the one star is a great, great um, starting point. And for anyone um, listening... Go yeah, to the I would urge you to, absolutely. I would urge you to do it. You know, and, and it's just it's a fantastic opportunity to have that sort of international feel and to be able to wear your top hat and tails and you know to be part of that. 
Yeah. Um, and I absolutely agree with you in terms of, you know, watching horses, you know, go cross country and just if, in terms of struggling with the distance a little bit. And interestingly, that's certainly one of the things we've seen with the ponies. Um, so the P2 star now, just to be really confusing, <laughs> is actually 105 cross country. Oh, um, right. Yeah. And that's for that. I do believe that's for that very reason, you know, with those ponies. And I mean, the ponies are super cool um, and they seem to be able to get themselves out of any trouble. But, yeah. you know, the FEI obviously felt that you know, the 110 dimension was just a little bit too much. So that P2 star, the cross country has become 105. Oh, that's cool. That's interesting to know. Because mm. actually, like you say, the ponies are really good at getting out of trouble, but we don't want them to be in trouble. So no, that's we cool. We don't. Um, no, we don't. Yeah, so I, that's exciting. And actually, you said you would quite like to go up to Blair. So I challenge you in 2025. There you go. Two years. Two years to get to Blair. <laughs> Thank you. That's all right. No, that that's realistic. <laughs> I could have sorted out my work-life balance by then, she says, optimistically. <laughs> yeah, I, yeah, work-life balance. Um, so actually, um, talking of work-life balance and your CEO role, um, one of the things that I think is really exciting and um, the well, two things that you've put into place actually in the last year since you joined as CEO is that you've redesigned the membership plans because you mentioned that 70 over 70 percent of members are grassroots and um you know the grassroots are what actually bring the money to the sport and then allow the sport to support the sort of higher levels because the money comes in at the grassroots level so it's really important it's the same for all associations really isn't it british show jumping british dressage it's the grassroots levels that are key to keeping it running so talk a little bit can you for our listeners about huh. your sort of Some membership of plan yeah. plans yeah sure absolutely so as you've alluded to you know the business model it is the classic pyramid um you know i've said 74 percent of our members never compete above 100 you know that is absolutely um the bread and butter that base of the pyramid is what is holding up the middle which is holding up the top and yes we absolutely need the aspirational end of the sport you know to capture people's imagination and encourage people into the sport um but it, it has to work as a whole um, and that grassroots part is absolutely essential. So, you know, when I came into role, I looked at it and thought, you know, is it fair that somebody goes out and rides in maybe four, five B nineties a season and they're paying the same membership as, you know, the pro guys who are, you know, in some cases running 250 times a season. Um, so initially um, with the membership restructure um, introduced three levels so the intro level the standard and the premier and that intro level for bringing you know people into the sport at 80 and 90 level um worked out 33 percent um cheaper than it had done previously um which obviously then meant and you know and this is always the trade-off that the premier membership did go up significantly um but you know in terms of the cost per run when you look at how many times even to be honest in that premier membership even your more sort of amateur riders it, you know they are running significantly more times than a lot of the grassroots um we've gone one step further so for 2023 actually we've bought in um a 40 percent discount for pony club and riding club members who haven't been a member of be before 
um, again, so just to try and, yeah, absolutely, you know, enable them to, you know, to be able to train and compete under the sort of support of that national governing body. Um, we interestingly all the member bodies see it's approximately a 40 percent churn rate each year and that's normal um and obviously that's generally at the grassroots levels so it's absolutely key to be bringing in new members um and i know you know there has been sort of you know there has been some little bit of negativity from some of our existing members who have been very loyal and have been members for a very long time that oh you know you're bringing in discounts for new people coming in um you know it's not fair and i completely feel their frustration on that one of the things i'd like to look at moving forward is a sort of member loyalty scheme so actually to start being able to give back and offer a little bit of discount for people who have been a member for a certain amount of time um but it just you know going back to that churn rate and just the natural we have to keep bringing in new to keep feeding into the sport um one of the other things that you know was very key for me was was trying to provide um sort of more all-round year 365 days a year opportunities you know our season is obviously very much sort of march to october um and certainly you know um, certainly in scotland it would be more april to september <laughs> yeah exactly <laughs> Um, so we've rolled out more arena eventing this winter and we've also introduced the ACE series, Anyone Can Event. Um, and that's um, that tends to run more at sort of existing competition centres, um, which I hope will be within a shorter sort of radius of where people live to just provide a few more opportunities. And that's at 70, 80, 90 and a metre level. So and actually we've lowered the age on that to allow people to come into that sort of, you know, that first step into the sport a little bit younger um That's cool. yeah and again sorry just last yes, year we <laughs> sorry i'm going through my initiatives last year we introduced um the grassroots leagues um which are we put ten thousand pounds over the grassroots leagues so we had a new we had a 80 1900 obp uh, so it was your three best scores um, counting on the league and we also had a newcomer league for people who had joined BE within the last two years and um, we put 10,000 over those so every other month so bi-monthly there were payouts for the leaders of those leagues um, which was a really good sort of you know initiative to try and obviously you know encourage people to obviously to run BE rather than go unaffiliated um, and to be rewarded for consistency and you know and for very outstanding performance um this year we've kind of i've taken that one step further so that national league will also count towards the qualification for badminton and bramham for the national grassroots championships so we are running regional championships but there will also be an opportunity to qualify directly from that league um simplified i hope the process because it has been extremely complicated um so to qualify for a regional championship you just need two double clears so whether that be 80 90 or 100 level two double clears to go to a regional championship um and like i say in parallel to that is this national league which will be direct qualification to badminton and bramham along with the scottish championships at blair and the long format 90 and 100 three-day event at Victon at the end of the year 
So lots of opportunities to qualify for that iconic championship. That's fantastic. I, I'm, I'm super impressed by that um, because I think as a, as a, a grassroots rider, it's really nice to feel that there's something within reach and there's something that doesn't require you to drive a million miles away. You know, a lot of grassroots riders are working full time. They don't have a lot of finances. Therefore, actually having something that is achievable and, and the, the regional um, championships are achievable. And then yeah. beyond that, there's the super special, you know, badminton and so on and Bramham and so on. So, that, you know, you can go and compete at um compete at those championships but actually the smaller sort of local ones for me i went to the novice masters i had to go at the novice masters last year at allerton yeah. and and actually i i thought that was a really super it's just special you know yeah. and it feels like a special thing to have achieved and i'm um, i love that you reward consistency I think that's a really nice thing is actually to think about your consistency. And I do, when I'm talking to riders about going into eventing, I talk about the the, the equity ratings assessment of your consistency and how you work on improving that. And I think actually that's amazing, I, I, very exciting. I also really yes. like your Go BE, um, the Go BE um, opportunity as well. Um, so there's loads of, loads of things. And, and so for anyone listening who, isn't sure about all of this, um, you can either contact BE directly and ask for uh, information if you're, if you're unsure, or the British Eventing website will explain it all to you anyway. Um, but equally also email me if you want me to answer yeah, your questions. thank you, Gaz. No, no, that that was I'm happy yes, to answer please. your questions. <laughs> <laughs> um, on that, yeah, just for those that maybe don't know about the GoBE, so that was um, an initiative that was brought in halfway through last season um, to, well, to be honest, to help riders and organisers alike. So from an organiser's perspective, um, obviously, you know, there have been challenges in terms of the economic climate, you know, the world we're living in, the U uh, war in the Ukraine breaking out, etc. Um, so in terms of sections not filling, the GoBE was very much designed to help organisers sort of top up and be able to, you know, include um, entries from people who aren't members of BE, but they pay a £10 pay-as-you-go fee, if you like, to be able to then come and ride in the GoBE classes, which run at the grassroots levels alongside the normal full BE. Um, and that was also a real advantage for some of the pro riders who wanted to bring young horses and run them a little bit under the radar without their results being in the public domain. That's always been something we've sort of, you know, faced some criticism for. Um, so it meant that they could run, you know, younger horses, have the odd, you know, green wobbly run out, that sort of thing, and it actually not obviously be published on the BE website. So then when they want to register it in full, they're at that point in their career where they can move forward. Um, so it was a sort of two pronged, and that's something we're rolling out more in 2023, you know, encouraging more, um, certainly BE organizers who have been running unaffiliated to convert those to go BE. And we've even introduced a GoBE 70. Um, so for organisers to be able to run that at 70 centimetre level, just to help bring, you know, encourage people, break down some of those barriers, um, you know, and show how much fun it, the sport is, um, you know, without the pressure. Yes. So I'm excited to see how that unfolds. So it really looks to me like you've brought a lot of ideas to the, to, 
the sport uh, to the association and to BE. Um, I know that I just want to actually just say to anyone who's listening who's on the rider working group or has heard about the rider working group I think a lot of this initiative has been discussed with them hasn't it and so it hasn't just totally no and the novice and intermediate masters are a shiny example of you know the work that was put in by the rider working group I mean it was a phenomenal piece um and we're very very grateful to them for their input and and for getting that off the ground you know in the first instance um really yeah it just shows what collaboration what can be achieved when you know when we work together so yeah and that actually i can see that you coming in when you joined be at the time where you know um there was a lot of things that were going on that wasn't working i can see that actually you've made a lot of changes and put a lot of stuff in into place um which is fantastic so um in current affair current news um Horse sport has been brought into um, sort of the non-horsey public eye in recent events. Um, and so just to ask, because like, obviously we're talking about amateur, the, you know, the majority of our membership are grassroots. So what advice would you give an amateur rider to help? How can eventing help improve horse sport social license? So what can an amateur yeah. rider do to yeah, help sure. improve that horse sport yeah. license? Yeah, sure. So positive imagery. That would be my sort of, you know, buzz buzzwords for the for the day. Um, you know, it was one of the things we talked about again at the FEI, so you know, on a sort of global stage. And actually, you know, how much damage can be done by a snapshot and one second in time of, you know, a horse looking slightly uncomfortable or, you know, just in their eye, you can tell we need to be promoting positive pictures so think about social media think about what you put up um you know i've had instances where you know younger riders have you know put up some you know really not great footage um you know having a fall at the last fence and oh you know then bless them coming at it from a oh i've got the best pony in the world you know blah, blah, blah. but look what happened no that is not what we want to be showing you know we want to be showing that horse human relationship and you know what an amazing bond we have with them how much you know let's face it we, we all we all treat our horses like kings and queens you know they they don't want for anything um so and actually that behind the scenes stuff actually that's really really powerful yeah and it was yeah, it was very, very interesting. I know after badminton last year, I was talking to a very, very, um, you know, highly regarded trainer who had gone to her next door neighbours to watch it on television. And they're not horsey at all. And she said it was fascinating because every time a horse finished, you know, obviously came out of the main arena, they were asking, well, what happens now? Like, where does it go? What's happening? What's happening? And yeah. you know, she said, well, what, what do you mean? You know, they're obviously being sort of cooled down. They're having all the, you know, all the treatment. Like, they, let's face it. Yeah. And, um, and they said, oh, yeah, but why can't we see that? Why can't we see that? Why can't we see that? Why can't we see them in the stables? Why can't... And it was fascinating. You know, people want to see that. And it's almost, you know, we've got nothing to hide with that. So why, mm -hmm. you know, I would, I would just encourage people to, you know, to anything to promote that wonderful relationship we have with them um you know get it get it out there yeah that sounds like that's a great thing to think about it's like get more behind the scenes 
you know, shots of you just being with your horse. You know, we have horses. We are, we're all horsey. Right? We all have horses. We have them because we just love the smell of them, the sound of them being around them. Yeah. And those those candid shots that you might see or the just that moment of sitting with your horse, that's, that's you know, just get that out there as well as the reward and the fun we have with horses. Um, doing eventing we all know as horsey people that horses won't event if they don't they want don't to. want to but yeah. actually just producing those videos of horses just jumping big fences isn't the only reason that we have them and so actually getting that out there and and yeah as you say a picture of a horse having a bad day uh, yeah well, something bad day but a horse like just like looking unhappy or you know something. yeah isn't a great promotion of the sport um no or of our horse relationship that's it and there's so many you know we know it's scientifically proven there's so many benefits to our mental health and you know all of the things in that respect that you know that horses and being outside and being around them bring to the equation um those are the messages that we need to be getting out there so um we're kind of coming to the end of the i could talk to you all day um, <laughs> but we're just coming to the end of it so just as a last um sort of closing thing um, because I'm a big fan of um, just being involved in the sport in general. So um, as someone who is maybe um, new to getting to the sport, um, what would things would you recommend that they do to get involved? Right. OK, so you can get involved really easily now. You don't even have to be a member. You can come along to we've rolled out a whole new national training programme um, under the banner, the Howden Way. Um, that is regional training for all. And you can come to two of those sessions as a non-member before you then have to become a member to kind of obviously cont continue benefiting from it. But those regional academies are there to help encourage people and give them the support and that camaraderie and fun and, you know, building contacts and knowing people in their region and having, you know, people that then when they do go to their first event, they've got some friendly faces, you know, they've got, you know, that's in a lot of cases the coach is there to help mentor them um you know we'll be building that up through 2023 and that will you know lead into residential camps um where again you know you can really sort of forge those relationships with people um and just make it fun you know it's that is what it is about the sport is fun uh, we all love our horses um and there's no need to feel you know intimidated about coming into the affiliated sport we're there to provide that safe structure um, you know, give you the reassurance that you are 100% competing, you know, in the safest possible format of the sport. So, cool. yeah, that sounds great. I know that um, uh, Cumbria Horse Trials is running a fr at French Field. They're running like an introduction to um, eventing day, which I, I think is a volunteer, is like part of volunteering and, and being behind as well. And I would Absolutely. definitely think about yeah. doing that too and, and it's a brilliant way you know if you haven't got a horse you know you can still be involved in the sport and coming through that volunteer pathway and yeah i know douglas is certain douglas wayman is certainly running one of those and it, what a fantastic opportunity you know to come along see what the sport's about get yeah. involved and be part of something really special and for any kids that are listening drag your parents along get your mum and dad involved get them to help out as well Absolutely. Um, because yeah. <laughs> it's just a really good crack and the the eventing family you know the eventing community is a really really supportive one and we just want to we need to keep looking out for each other and supporting each other so um 
that sadly brings us to the end of our episode so thank you very much for joining me and uh, and putting up with me <laughs> Toby, silly. you're very very welcome it's been a pleasure to talk to you and um, very good luck for the 2023 season and thank to you. all your listeners out there thank you very much and when you come up and i see you i definitely owe you a hot chocolate from the amazing catering start at cumbria events <laughs> fantastic sold <laughs> thank you yes <laughs> thanks very much